people making music for the people. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we only have time for two more questions. Toby. Hey, Toby. Yep, the young lady in the back with the I Heart Jamie Gray shirt on. Hey, question. Um, hello. Good morning. I'm just wondering, when can we expect you and Michael and Kevin and DC Talk get back together? We're just too hungry. Uh, that question's already been asked enough tonight. Mr. Mack. Uh, yes, you, sir, with the haircut from 1985. <laughs> Can we get an update on Mr. Talkbox? Does he still have that rash? Listen, we need to keep all the questions directed to Toby, please. Toby, over here, man. Toby. Last question. You've been running at this pace for a while. How much more you got in you, my man? Whoa! regret I'm pretty sure we have met every single day of your life I'm the whisper inside that won't let you forget hello my name is defeat I know you recognize me just when you think you can win I'll drag you right back down again Till you've lost all belief Oh, these are the voices Oh, these are the lies And I have believed in For the very last time Hello, my name is Child of the World
this generation We're turning over every stone Hoping to find salvation In a world that's left us cold Can we get back to the altar Back to the arms of our first love There's only one way to the Father And he's calling out to us To the captive it looks like freedom To the orphan it feels like home To the skeptic it might sound crazy To believe in a God who loves In a world where our hearts are breaking And we're lost in the mess we've made Like a blinding sounds like everybody's alive this morning. I love that. We just want to tell you something this morning. It is a privilege and an honor it is to lead you into worship this morning, to lead you into the presence of God. And we hope that this morning, that by what we do up here, that that helps you this morning. So let's stand together this morning.
morning, Townsend Church. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Me too. I'm so excited. You guys can have a seat real quick. We're just going to talk for a couple minutes. I just first of all want to say thank you to our praise team because they put a ton of effort and energy into it. So thank you so much for what you all do. We appreciate you guys. We just want to say welcome to Townsend Church. We know you guys can go to a million different churches. Maybe not a million, but you know what I mean. But we're thankful that you guys are here. Thank you for joining us online. We are sorry that you're not here in person. Hopefully, we'll see you very soon back here in the building. But hey, we got a lot of things going on here at Townsend Church, and we would love for you guys to be connected. So this is how you can stay connected. Up on the board, you can actually sign up for text updates. And every time we got something cool going on or something we want you to know about, you guys will receive a text on your phone. So please go ahead and text welcome to that number up on the screen. And that way you can stay in touch with us and be connected with fellow believers. Because honestly, we're lots of fun. Most of us. Even Pastor Allen is fun. <laughs> See? <laughs> that was him. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take a look at our oh, children's ministry. I mentioned a couple weeks ago or maybe last week that for some reason, there must be something in the water in this church, but our women keep having babies. <laughs> we have seriously 15 babies in our nursery, which means, plus all the other kids, we need lots of volunteers. We can't just have one or two people in the nursery anymore. We need a few more. So we would love for you guys to volunteer in the nursery to help us out and through the kids' wing. Go see my wife, Miss Brandy. That's her lovely picture right there on the uh, screen. She's pretty awesome. Go see her in the lobby after church, and you can go ahead and volunteer to help us out in the kids' wing in the children's ministry. In-state week. This week is one of my favorite weeks out of the entire year. We take our entering sixth grade through young adults, and we keep them for an entire week. And what we do with these guys is we find service projects to do throughout our community. So we've worked with other churches. We've worked with the food bank. We find all different projects. We've helped some of you all out at your homes, whatever we can do to make sure that our kids are serving and giving back. We find an awesome opportunity for them. And they spend the night at my house, Pastor Allen's house, and Pastor Willie's house. So we have 30 to 50 kids every year spend the night with us, and we pour into them. In the evening, they actually help out with our vacation Bible school, which is the same week. So if you're, you have a kid in uh, sixth grade, going into the sixth grade through young adult, please sign them up for this great in-state week. It's awesome. One amazing thing about this, the biggest thing is that they get to experience Jesus in a big way. But what we love about it is it absolutely joins them together with fellow believers and kids that are doing this walk, trying to anyway in this crazy world. So sign your kids up. We would love to have them. The last announcement is this. We um, have VBS coming up, which is mentioned up there. There is a donation wall right outside in our lobby. If you want to grab one of those cards on your way out after church and uh, go ahead and bring that back, we would really appreciate it. We have lots of different things that we need for Vacation Bible Schools, and uh, we would love for you guys to help us out with that. Are you guys ready to hear from God today? Yes. Me too. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Rudy. <laughs> Me too. Let's go ahead and bow our head in prayer. And then we'll stand back up with the praise team and continue to worship our Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly God, we are so thankful for you and your love and your grace and your mercy. It is overwhelming if we can really sit back and consider everything that you do for us, God. I am just so thankful for you. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of struggle, God, you are constant. And thank you so much for that. Right now, Lord, I pray that each one of us sitting in this, in this congregation are able to uh, leave our distractions aside so that we can focus on you 
and learn from you today, God. Be with Pastor Allen as he brings the word in right now. As we sing these songs of praise, let us worship you, God. We love you so much. In your great name we pray. Amen.
Righteous. 
Before we pray, I just want to 
speak to you on behalf of a friend of ours that's been attending our church for a very long time, Elmer Fisher. He wants to thank you to those that have been praying for him. Um, and what he is asking this morning is that when you pray for him, that you pray that God will be merciful. You can take that however you would like, but that is what he asks of his church family this morning. So let's go and pray. God, I love you. And I love the songs that you have had for us this morning to prepare the way for this sermon. God, there are so many things that we face, so many things that we deal with. We know that we can come and ask you. And that when we ask with the right heart, the right questions, when we ask for your will to be done, we can trust that that is exactly what will take place. When we ask for our church, that your will be done here. We ask for our friends, especially Elmer, that your will would be done. We love you, we trust you, and we submit all that we have attempted to do to worship you this morning to you. We pray that it's been a sweet sound in your ears, but Lord, now we are asking for you to speak to us. And I ask for the same thing, that it be a sweet sound to our ears, that you move us in the direction you'd have us to go. In Jesus' name, amen. So glad that you are here. Uh, had a very busy weekend, a good weekend. Thanks for coming out and supporting Johnny Diaz. That was a great success. Uh, hopefully we'll have some numbers for you very shortly to where you can kind of see uh, what happened, what took place. Uh, but I know the, the kids made uh, a decent amount of money for their trip. So thank you for that. So glad that you are here this morning. We're going to be back in Matthew uh, chapter 24, continuing along with our study. Uh, this has been a very interesting transition in the life of Christ and the way that he's speaking. Remember, most of the time he speaks with parables, he speaks with uh, stories or even questions, but now he has completely turned the table. Remember that the disciples last week asked the right questions and Jesus did not hesitate with his answers and he's continuing probably for the next few weeks. We're going to look at the answer that he's been giving the disciples. Remember, these are just days before, days before he goes before Pilate and is beaten crucified, buried, and then rises again, days. And in his concern for people, in his concern for God and for the cause of Christ, or for the cause of himself, he takes the time to answer his disciples and really us. Now in our life, there are lots of things that we get fearful about, right? We get a little scared. I will, I will be open this morning and tell you that <clears throat> One of the things that terrifies me are snakes. If I see a snake, I'm running. Maybe not running because I don't run very well anymore, but I'm getting out of there. I'm moving away from the snake. Now, many of y'all are like, sissy, snake's not going to hurt you. Well, that might be your opinion. But I remember a story in scripture where a snake was not good. That was supposed to be funny. Not, that really wasn't that. Y'all got way too serious, way too fast with me on that one. But there is a story about a serpent that didn't do very well. That's not my logical reason behind snakes. I just have an irrational fear of snakes. I just don't like them. A dead snake is a good snake. That's the best kind. But there are so many things that can cause us hurt and can drive up or create fear within our lives. And a lot of times the things that can create hurt in us, we run to it. We go to it. And I'm not talking about 
maybe falling out of a deer stand or uh, simple things like that. I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about things, decisions that we know we should not do. Not good for me. Will hurt me, will hurt my family, will hurt my testimony. Things that we know scripture plainly teaches about. And the interesting thing about that is we don't run from it. A lot of times we scooch to it. We get as close as we can to taste enough to say, well, I'm not really doing all of it, so it's got to be okay. And the reality is there are so many things in our lives and in our world that are anti-God that we as believers are kind of coddling in our lives. And at some point, we've got to get to the place where we run. We react. There's something that rises up within us that causes us to feel a different way to either run away from it or just to say no. But you and I are very comfortable in our little world that we live in. And as long as nobody else knows, it must be okay. I'll just pray the prayer of forgiveness and God will just magically make it all go away. Sounds a little abusive to me great grace that God has shown to us, the great sacrifice that Christ has made for us, sounds a little abusive. Jesus in the passage today talks about uh, a terminology that we don't really hear a lot, especially in our day and age. It's called abomination of desolation. When's the last time you've heard somebody say that? Right? It's normal conversation at the water cooler at work, right? It's not a normal term, but the reality is the terminology may be foreign to us, but the actions of it is not. All of this takes place all the time. Now, when Jesus speaks of it, when Daniel speaks of it, he's speaking specifically of some acts that has already happened, that are happening, and that are going to happen. But I believe there's a case that can be made that it's actually happening every day of our lives if we're not careful. And here's what that simply is. It's replacing God with what pleases us in the world. And so here's the thought that I have for us today. When you see something against God, react. I'm not asking you to draw down. I'm not asking you to put your dukes up. What I'm asking you to do is run or stand for Christ. If it's something that is detrimental to your testimony or going to cause you to sin, run. Pull a Joseph. It's the best example I can give to you. A young man in his prime, a hot woman's coming after him. What did he do? He didn't stick around and try to talk her out of this. He ran. And there's many of us that aren't running fast enough. And we're allowing these things to enter our lives that will cause desolation in us that are completely against God, and we need to make better decisions. Some of us need to stand for things that we know are true, to stand in the gap for other people, for other um, um, topics of Scripture that need to be stood for. There's a time to stand and there's a time to run. So I say to you, when something that you see that you know is against God, react. Maybe... If we had reacted throughout history, our little nation would not be in the spot that we're in. 
And maybe we can point the fingers at everybody else. But maybe the reality is we own a part of that. Because we as believers, we know the truth. Oh, nobody's going to listen to us. They're, they're not, we, I'm just one person. They can't do anything. Okay. That's true. But there's plenty of stories in scripture where just one person was all it took to change a nation or the scenery of what was going on. You don't know what God will do if you will simply stand for what is right or run from what is wrong. So this morning, we're going to see a passage where Jesus addresses this with his disciples. And the news that he gives them is not the most encouraging news, but it ends very encouraging. So we've got to get through the kind of the, the, the tough stuff to get to the good stuff. Are you in? You ready? All right, here we go. Chapter 24, verse 15 is where we're going to start. Again, this is Jesus talking. We've talked about uh, Jesus referring to the past, and then he was talking to the disciples of the present that there's, there's tough stuff coming, there's some tribulation, there's some hard times, but now he's going to be talking about the future. He's talking about the end times, the, the real stuff that's going to hit. In verse 15, he says, therefore, again, based on everything that you've seen, you, you're going to live this life, you're going to see a lot of things, but when all of that's taken place, there's something else that's going to happen. So when that has happened, therefore... When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel and uh, the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, meaning go back and look at Daniel. Read it for yourself. Try to figure it out. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So in other words, when they see the abomination of desolation, we'll talk about that in just a minute because it means something different for them than really for us. But they are to run. When it's going down, that is something should trigger in your mind that it's happening today. I'm not standing around. I'm getting out of Dodge. He says, let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Jesus is telling them in his human form, speaking with his God knowledge, saying, hey, when you see it, you'll know it and you need to run. It's going to be so bad, don't go back home and pack. Don't leave your workplace and go try to get stuff together. Don't even come down from your attic and get all the good stuff. You just need to run. And then he has some compassion. I really hope you're not pregnant or have a baby that you're nursing because this is going to be tough. This is Jesus, the one who is coming to save us from our sins. And he's looking at these poor disciples telling them, here's what's coming down the line. And he's speaking to you and to me this morning of, here's what's coming down the line. Verse 21, for then there will be great tribulation. Notice that he makes it great here, but the first time he talked about tribulation in last week's passage, it was not great tribulation, it's just hard. This one is different. This one will be unlike anything you've seen. He's getting ready to say that. This one is big. And Jesus says, when you see it happening, know it's coming and you need to run. 
He says, such has not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples saying, you think you've got it bad now? You ain't seen nothing yet. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. He's like, here's how bad it's going to get. There are going to be so many guys that are going to pop up and claim to be me. They're going to say, hey, he's over there or he's over there. And he looks at his disciples and says, don't believe it. Don't buy in. And not only is he saying it to his disciples, he's saying it to you. We already know how he's coming. And if no one has come that way, when they claim to be Christ, they are a liar. And we need to be that bold. That's one of those things that when we know it's against God, we can react in saying, liar. That just sounds harsh. It sounds uncomfortable. But the reality is, truth is hard. And at some point, we have to take a stand. He says, see, I've told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, don't go out there. Look, he is in the inner room, don't believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For whenever the carcass, for wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Now, we'll, we'll talk about that statement in a little bit because it seems out of place, but it's actually not. So just hang tight with that one. And it sounds very gross, right? Verse 29, here's the good stuff. So he's painted this bleak, awful, negative, terrible thing. He's just being truthful with his guys. But watch what he says. Immediately after the tribulation, immediately, not a couple of years, not going to wait until something else happens. As soon as the tribulation ends, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the Son of Man, or excuse me, the sign of the Son of Man will appear of heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. We just finished our Revelation study. And a lot of people would want to say that this is the case for um, a, a post-tribulation rapture. That's for you to decide. You go read Revelations, figure it out for yourself. All I know is when he comes back, I'm going with him. That's all that really matters. I mean, seriously, let's be real and honest about it. We can split hairs and we can debate back and forth, but none of us really know. But the one thing we can count on is when he shows up, if you are a follower of Christ, you will leave. Period. And so we see him saying, hey, listen, it's going to be so bad, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. But just know that as bad as it's going to be, as bad as it's going to feel, when you feel like there is no other hope, I'm coming. I love that. When you feel all is lost, I'm coming to gather you like my little chicks, and I'm going to take you with me. That's good stuff, by the way. 
So let's dive into this whole abomination of desolation because it's really different. It's, it's, it's seriously a, a very interesting phrase. And Jesus quotes it specifically because it was given to Daniel way back. And Daniel uses it a couple of times uh, in his prophecies. He talks about it. And one of the things that we need to understand about the abomination of the desolation is this, is that it's, there's not going to be any more sacrifices because where they normally make the sacrifice, something else is going to be placed there. So the Jews will not be able to come and commune with God because that sacrificial area has now been made something that they need to hate. Because something against God, something that is impure, something that is just wrong has been placed in its stead. Something else has been set up. Now this altar, this place where the sacrifices were made to God for the remission of their sins is a major point in their walk with God. We don't do that. But for them, it was everything. And so when Daniel talks about the abomination of desolation, he's talking about the idea that this sacred place where they could commune with God is going to be struck down and something opposing God will be set in its place. Another phrase that we can look at is, oh, that comes in a minute. So when we look at abomination, here's what it means. It means very hated. Very hated. So it's an abomination. It's completely against God. God is love. This thing is about hate. And it's extremely disagreeable. That's what abomination means. Or to abominate. Disagreeable. Can God and Satan agree on anything? Absolutely not. And so if the temple where the sacrifices are made... If that is what is all about for God, then for this to be awful or disagreeable, it's got to be the exact opposite. And that is what is exactly happening. And then desolation. Desolation is nothing more than laying something to waste, taking it all the way down. It's the condition of being ruined or deserted. So when we talk about the abomination of desolation, this thing is taking what is good and what is right, it is laying waste to it, it is taking it all the way back down and replacing it with something that is disagreeable to what was first there. Does that make sense? Another phrase that you can look at and one of the things that they talk about is, it's the abomination of the desolator. We all know who the desolator is. Who wants to lay waste to your life? The enemy, Satan, he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to chew you up and spit you out and ruin you. That's his goal. He is the desolator. He wants to take all of these wonderful things that God has built into your life, and he wants to lay waste to all of it. And then what he wants to do is to take that heart that has been given to God, he wants to lay waste to it, and then build something back into it that is absolutely disagreeable to the truth of Scripture. Does that not sound familiar? It's a battle we battle all the time. And Daniel is saying, listen, the things that are going to take place in your life, you're going to see it firsthand. It's going to happen. It's going to take place. In fact, we see Antiochus, which is one of the great rulers of the day, before Daniel even comes about, he actually goes to the temple mount and without tearing the, the, um, the sacrificial altar down, he places a different altar to a different God on top of it. Now for us, that really doesn't mean a whole lot because I can tell by your reaction, you're like, and? That's a big deal. 
That's like taking the most sacred thing that you have at your house and someone coming home and just throwing up on it. Okay, maybe that didn't. I don't know how to explain this any better to you. Like, find the most precious thing that you have and go destroy it. That's what we're talking about. And Daniel is talking with these people and saying, here's what's coming down the pipeline. Not only has it already happened, but it's going to happen again. And that's what Caesar does. He comes in and knocks the temple down, takes the altar down, and builds up uh, things for himself. One of the parts of our studies is they put these, these poles up around where the altar was, and they put these eagles on top of it. For wherever the carcass is, this is where they made the sacrifices, there the eagles will be gathered. That's just interesting to me, that the very place that sacrifices were made to the very God that we love was torn down and replaced with something that was disagreeable with God. And eagles were mounted on these poles to overlook it. Let me ask you a question. What kind of poles and eagles you got up in your life? What kind of things have you set up to worship that are overshadowing what God has done in your heart? You see, the things that we tolerate are the things that will take over. As we tolerate little sins, they grow to be bigger sins. And these bigger sins grow into be monster sins, and these monster sins grow into kind of take over our lives. That to me is an abomination of desolation. That to me is letting the enemy in areas that he should be thrown out of. And me not reacting to those things allows him to come in and put something that's disagreeable to what I know to be true. Now this is happening in real life. It's already taken place twice and Jesus is talking about it's coming again. When all of that has taken place overseas, not here in the United States, by the way, we may not even be here just for kicks and giggles. It's going to take place again. The Antichrist will set himself up where the altar is. He will tear it down and place it with himself. And that will be another abomination of the desolator. And we can look at these big things and say, yeah, I'm just waiting on that. But here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. Don't let it happen in your own heart. Your heart has been sacrificed to God, has been nailed to the cross and given over to him. Your life is his. It is no longer ours. Therefore, we need to be careful as to the things that we let in that are an abomination to the very one who has saved you. Because when we do that, it allows the desolator to come in and tear down everything that he has built up. I just find it intriguing that it's real life, see it, but it really happens even in our own hearts. So what do we do with that? What did he say to them? He said, watch. You got to watch. We don't do enough watching. We watch a lot of TV, watch a lot of our phones, watch a lot of other things, but are we watching to see where the, the desolator is, has his fingers and pulling these abominations out that are absolutely against Christ. Listen, we live in a state that needs God. Our state is going in a totally different direction that is taking the great things that God has given us like life and liberty. And they are desolating it. 
Again, this is not a political scene for me. I'm not a big political pusher. I'm not begging you to go and stand with signs. I'm just asking you, when you see something that you feel inclined, that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that is an abomination to what you know to be true, react. That just may mean pray. That may mean go have a conversation. That may mean a litany of different things. That's between you and the Lord. Because it's going to mean something different for me. Pay attention. I know it's really easy for us just to say, well, the world is going to hell in a handbasket, so we're just going to let it happen. There's a lot of people that can be saved in the meantime. So let's pay attention. Let's get on our... I don't even know what I was going to say there because it wasn't going to make sense. Let's do something. Right? Let's pay attention. Let's, let's not wait any longer. What, what are, seriously, what are we really waiting for? Are we waiting for a call from God? He's already told you. Stand for me. Speak for me. Love others as you love me. We already know what we're supposed to do. So what are we waiting on? The great big sign from God? It's already been given. We don't need another one. Here's your sign. Some of y'all. <laughs> y'all are funny. It's right here. We already know it. And yet, you know what blows my mind is we look at it and say, yeah, I know that's what it says, but. <laughs> Please don't ever come to my office and say, yeah, I know what God's told me to do, but. Because I'm probably going to laugh at you. And I may even say, if you're going to put a butt on this, you might as well just walk out because you're telling me that the very advice that I'm going to advise you with, the very one I'm going to point you to, you don't care what he says. What do you need me for? At some point, we have to stop playing this game. That, well, I'll kind of do a little bit and he'll be okay with it. Or I'll just do this little sin and he'll just forgive me. At some point... We have to realize your life is no longer your own. You don't get to make the calls. It is very much a submissive life that we go to God and say, what you want me to do? And then he's going to say, I've already told you. There's a portion of this that we have a personal responsibility to go figure it out and live it. I'm so itching to throw out Micah 6, 8, and I know you're waiting for it. But seriously, do what's right. Love being kind and just walk humbly with God. I, it cannot get any simpler than that. And then sometimes we do need to run. Sometimes it's good to run. It's good to run to protect our hearts. It's good to run to protect our families. It's good to run when it's appropriate. But there are times we need to stand as well. But when the abomination of desolation comes, it's going to be bad. I, I'm just going to take a few seconds to help us understand how bad it's really going to be. I, I recognize that our world's in a, in a jam. Like we're Ukraine, poor Ukraine, other countries with sex trafficking and the rulers that they have and the, the drugs and the way our country's going. Like it's bad. It's bad. Compared to what it's going to be, this is a walk in the park. And I know, listen, I know when I say that, it is difficult for us to really grasp that. 
We have the perfect Sunday school answer and say amen. Yeah, we're like, oh yeah, I know, I know. We really don't. We really don't. If you spend any time reading in Revelation, it's bad. Thousands upon thousands upon hundreds of thousands upon millions of people are just going to lose their life in supernatural ways. Out of their control because they're following some desolator of a leader. But God, in his infinite wisdom and great patience and kindness, will not let it go on so long that all of life will be desolated. Did you catch that in what Jesus said? If it went on to the fullest, nobody would survive it. Charlie brought up in our our session on Monday is God's still pursuing even to the very end. I love that. I love that I know he is constantly pursuing me. He does not want me to fall to the abomination of the desolation. He doesn't want to take, allow the things that he's built up within me to be knocked down and replaced with the most disagreeable things to him. But I have a job. I have a responsibility in this. I've got to keep going after him. I've got to seek him. I've got to go after him. But it's going to be bad, folks. And if you're kind of half-hearted playing this game, when it gets bad, it's going to be really tough. Remember what Jesus said? He who endures to win, the end, will be saved. To the end. All the way through. This is an endurance race. Abomination of desolation. Listen again at verse 21. For there will be great tribulation. Not just tribulation, but great tribulation. And if Jesus is calling it great tribulation, it's probably really big. Such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Think about that. Listen to this. Look at this list. Sin entering the garden. The garden was perfect. And when sin entered it, everything changed. The perfectness of the garden that God had set up, it was desolated with an abomination of sin. It's always been around. Then we fast forward to Noah. This has always been a problem. And Noah was saved because of his faithfulness to God, him and his sons and his wives and their daughter-in-laws. Then you've got captivity of the Israelites. It's always going on. These wonderful individuals would just allow God to kind of be pushed to the side. They allowed things into their life. Then they would be taken captive. And God, what would he do? He would rescue them time and time and time again. Why? Because he loves you and he loves them. You've got persecution in the New Testament church. All the way through there, we watched them be persecuted. The disciples died In horrific ways. The New Testament church across the seas is being persecuted now. We, not not so much. Don't kid yourself in thinking that we're being persecuted. Because we're not. Having to wear a mask or maybe meet online for a little while, that's not persecution. I have other words for it, but it's not persecution. The Jewish Holocaust. Are you kidding me? But God still perseveres and saves those social injustices now we're kind of getting into our 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 world where we are at and there are social injustices all over the place but then lawlessness 
This has been a word that's been sticking out to me lately a lot. The lawlessness of our world. Jesus spoke of it. And it is where we live. We have laws. They're more like guidelines anymore. People really don't follow them. The lawlessness of our nation is so horrific. But God is still pursuing. He still loves us. He still wants us to invite him in and for us to submit our lives to him. So God is still pursuing. He's constantly pursuing. And he will pursue until the very last moment. That's how much he loves us. If he was the the mean God that everybody says that he is, we would have been gone a long time ago. I mean, we have examples of the Old Testament. I mean, how many people did he zap and swallow up in the earth? He can do it. But that's not what he's about. Tolerations of abominations from the desolator take root in our heart that's already been given to the Lord. I I want you to sit on that and let that sink in just for a minute. When we tolerate those things that are disagreeable to what we know to be true, those things that we tolerate begin to take root in our heart that is supposedly already been given to the Lord. So what the desolator does is he takes all those things that God has done in our heart, which is our our soul, mind, and strength, and he begins to chip away and break away and set new things up that are in absolute contradiction to who he is. We face it all the time. It is what is happening to the church today. We must fight this. We've got to stand. We've got to react in such a way that that allows him to do what only he can do. But he says immediately after, immediately after, it gets so bad, so bad that you can't even imagine, but immediately after, the hope that lives within you is coming. That probably would have been a really good point to say, woohoo! So let me say it again and let's practice that because that's really important. Like, it's bleak. It's really bad, folks. But the fact that we know what's going to happen for us when we remain and endure to the end, our hope, Christ, is coming back for each and every one of us. Okay, good. Much better. I'm going to get you there at some point. Like, it's okay to let it out every now and again. I just don't want you to get crazy with it, right? But when things like that, that's that reaction that we should have. When we see God doing something, we should react. We should let people know, that's my God. That's what he's doing. When we see things that are against him, we should speak up and say, that's not my God. That's the desolator. You need to run. At some point, this has got to be life for us and not just a habit. So what does the preparation look like? What does it look like for us to kind of get in this mode to really start paying attention to what's coming? Here's a couple of things that I have for you. Asking the right questions to the right person prepares us to react. That's the first thing. We talked about this a lot last week is ask the right questions. Ask God whatever you want to ask him. And when we ask the right person, by the way, I'm not the right person because Christ is the right person. His spirit is the right person. He is God. And so he can direct you best. We can walk together and ask a lot of questions together, but he's the person that you need to be talking to and asking. And when we ask him, he will prepare you. One of the ways that we need to do it is just to know Jesus. 
Isn't that simple? It's such a simple answer, but it's really difficult for us. We need to know who he is. We need to know what he's about. What is his purpose? Why, why does he want us to follow him? Why would that be so good and so advantageous for us? But most importantly, we need to know his way. Because I have a way, and my way is going to get me in a lot of trouble. So I'd much rather follow his way because his way is always better. And when we can know Jesus, it protects us from the imposters because there's going to be a lot of imposters. In fact, there's not going to be a lot of imposters. There's already a lot of imposters that we need to be careful of. Jesus said it. They're going to come. They're going to claim to be me. They're going to say he's out there. He's going to say that I'm over there. Don't believe it. You'll know when I'm here. I just love that. The confidence of Christ. You'll know when I get here. I think we sing this. Hmm, that's interesting, is it not? What does it say? It says, seek first. Not second, not third, not last, not when it's convenient, not when you just want to. First thing we need to do in every avenue of our life is to seek first the kingdom of God. But not just his kingdom, because that could seem like I just want the good stuff. Seek his righteousness. Dig into here and see what we're supposed to do and how we are supposed to live. That's why this verse is difficult for us. Because we want all the good stuff. But the work, I don't know. It's too hard. And then what does it say? All these things shall be added. To know what all these things are, you got to go back and read the previous verses. And it's talking about the things that we worry about and stress about and agonize over every day. He's like, don't worry about that. You focus on me. You get in tune with who I am and I'll take care of the rest of it. It'll be fine. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent. Be active. Be all about it. To present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. This is Paul's challenge to Timothy. Here's what he says. You're going to be working with a lot of people. Here's what I need you to do. I need you, Timothy, to focus on me. I need you to study that way when people try you or challenge you, you will go back to what I know has already been built in you and I will guide you in the right way. That way they will have nothing to say against you. And Timothy, when you're doing this, you need to be very careful that you're not using your words idly or allowing their words to drive you in a direction that will take you off course from where I have you. So folks, I say to you, I'm glad that you're here on a Sunday morning, and I love the way that you listen and pay attention. You guys really listen so well. It's very encouraging to me. However, please don't rely solely on me to tell you what you need to know. God, in his infinite mercy and grace towards us, has sent his spirit to live inside of each of you. He's giving us his living word to where the two can connect together to guide you in the direction that you need to go. Stop listening to everybody else. Stop going to your favorite website to get all your information. There's nothing wrong with having a little bit of information, but what does he say? Shun profane and idle babblings. Careful what you're allowing to enter into your mind. 
he is the only thing that can straighten that which is crooked. He's the only thing that can guide us down his path of righteousness because it's his name that's on the line. Do you realize Jesus is kind of ending with the Sermon on the Mount all over again? So if you'll give me about another 30 minutes, I'm going to go back to the... I'm just kidding. But if you go back to the Sermon on the Mount and think about all the Beatitudes that literally we just sang... Every one of those is focusing on an attribute of God that he will restore in our life the way that we're supposed to be. And all Jesus is saying, he's like, guys, for the last three years, I've just tried to model for you the very sermon that I told you. And now I'm coming back and saying, hey, pay attention, do what you know to be doing and wait, wait for me because I'm coming back. Isn't that good? That is so good. I love that he starts and he ends his ministry bookending it with this massive sermon. It's a sermon that we all really should just know and follow. But when you see something that's absolutely against God, guess what? You need to react. But don't just react. React in hope. React in hope. Because you know that at some point it's going to get worse. It just is. The fact that we even talk about it, the fact that it comes up more and more. And the reality is we just need to accept it. It's going to be bad. It's going to be worse than bad. It's actually going to be worse than worse than bad. It's just awful. But our hope is coming. Our hope is coming. And he's coming for you and for you and for me. It's time for us as believers to live out this thing that we call love for Jesus It's time for us to react. That may mean run, it may mean stand, it may mean kneel and pray. Let God guide you. As the praise team comes, here's the questions I have for you this morning. Number one, what abominations of the desolator have taken root in your heart? What things of this world, whisperings and murmurings and activities and habits and thought patterns, what has penetrated the heart that you have so willingly given to God? And is rebuilding those little altars on the place that really is the Lord's. It's going to happen in real time. It's literally going to happen. It's going to take place. Right before our eyes, probably on the TV, we'll see it. But my concern is, will you be ready? And you can't be ready if we're allowing him to do it in our hearts today. At some point, we've got to break those altars down. And reunite fully with Christ. Number two, what moves you to react for Christ? I guarantee if I were to talk to many of you, you would have different things that affect you differently. And I could, I could name all kinds of political different things, but I'm not going to do that because you already, you're not dumb. Everybody's going to react differently, but what is it that moves you? What is it that affects you? What is it that pulls at your heartstrings that you know that's just wrong? Maybe God is calling you to stand. Maybe he's calling to mind the things that you're kind of allowing into your life that you know you should react differently. Maybe he's calling you this morning, you need to run. Maybe it's that extramarital connection that you have. Maybe it's that dependency on pornography or alcohol or drugs. Maybe it's an attitude of arrogancy. Maybe it's an attitude of, I'm enough. God needs to use me as I am. I don't know what it is, 
you do and he does. And I guarantee you, he's already working on you. Question I have for you is, what you going to do about it? We can sit and talk about it all day long. I can keep talking and you can keep agreeing. But that doesn't solve anything, does it? At some point, if we really have hope in Christ, we need to exercise that hope and kneel before a holy God and say, I'm all yours. I need your help. Where do you need to react today? And then lastly, where is your hope? Where's your hope? Is it at the bottom of a bottle? How's that working for you? Is it that extramarital conversation? How's that working out? You enjoy laying your head down at night and feeling guilty? You guys know I love you. But I'm done playing games, man. We we can't get anywhere if we're going to keep playing this stuff. At some point, we as believers who claim the name of Christ need to learn how to react. Do not let the desolator build up those abominations in your life. Because if you let him now, you will not be prepared for when it happens in real life. Today's the day. Will you have a conversation with him? Pray that you will. God, I love you. I appreciate all that you do. Lord, your word is enough. I've talked long enough. It's your turn to do the work. Pray that you would move as only you can in Jesus' name. Seek first the kingdom, and all will be added. Seek first the kingdom, and all will be added. Seek first the kingdom, and all will be added. All will be added, all will be added. Seek first the kingdom, and all will be added. Seek first the kingdom, and all will be added. For the last hour, we've been in this room, we've worshiped God together, we've heard exciting announcements about ways that we can continue to be involved in the things that are going on in the church. We've heard teaching from scripture, we've prayed together, and now we're coming to the point that our service is coming to an end, and I often end by saying you're dismissed. Doesn't mean you have to leave. just means the the formal part of the church service is coming to an end. And as the church service comes to an end, 
What does that mean for us? Do, do we kind of take the words that we've heard and go, well, I understood this part and I didn't understand that part. Now think about it again next week. Or do we sit with some of this stuff? And do we go, well, maybe I didn't understand everything, but I understood God was saying that when things are bad, when things are going to be bad, that hope is never far away. Maybe I heard that no matter what, I know God is still pursuing me and he's going to be with me until the end of the age. Maybe I heard something this morning that convicted me, that I said, ooh, that's something I got to do differently in my life. Whatever that is, and whatever God is stirring in you right now in this moment, my hope is that as the service ends, that you don't just kind of put it on the shelf until next week, but maybe have a conversation, even before you leave the sanctuary, about something you understood or a thought that you had or something you didn't understand and ask a question. Maybe you have a conversation about it in the car on the way home or over dinner tonight. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll go back and read Matthew 6 or the book of Daniel this week and understand and explore more. Because church is a place where we can come together, be challenged, be encouraged, be inspired, be reminded, but then it makes a difference in the rest of our life. Because there have been lots of things in scripture that I've read and I did not understand when I read them. And then I went through something really hard and I was like, oh, I get it now. It makes sense. And so I pray that this teaching sinks deep into your heart and deep into your mind and that you can really wrestle with those questions about what it means to follow God and find your hope entirely and completely in him. I'm so glad that you've been here with us this morning. Hope you have a great afternoon and a wonderful week. You're dismissed. See,